Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our Sunday service. We're very happy to greet all of you, especially those who are here as guests and visitors and those who are joining us from the internet. My name is Nayaswami Anandi. This is Nayaswami Durga. I'll begin with a reading from Rays of the One Light, which are weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita, written by Swami Kriyananda. This week's reading is called Many Are the Pathways to Truth. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. <clears throat> on the dedication page of Swami Kriyananda's book, The New Path, appears the following account. <clears throat> Excuse me. A group of, of Paramahansa Yogananda's disciples had gone with him to see a movie about the life of Gyandev, a great saint of medieval India. Afterwards, they gathered and listened to the master explain certain subtler aspects of that inspiring story. A young man in the group mentioned another film he had seen years earlier in India about the life of Mirabai, a famous woman saint. If you'd seen that movie, he exclaimed, you wouldn't even have liked this one. <coughs> the guru rebuked him. <coughs> the guru rebuked him. Why make such comparisons? The lives of great saints manifest in various ways the same one God. <clears throat> the Bible contains a similar account in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 9. John said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him because he followeth not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. The more central a truth, the greater the number of contexts in which it can be applied. Truth is like a pure white light, containing within itself the full spectrum of the rainbow. Let no one tell you what your path to God ought to be. Many are the paths. Select your own according to the dictates of your own nature, no matter how out of step that puts you with other people. Sri Krishna, in the third chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, states, Trying even unsuccessfully to fulfill one's own spiritual duty, dharma, is better than pursuing successfully the duties of others. Better death itself in the pursuance of one's own duties. The pursuance of another duties is fraught with spiritual danger. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Nice to be here with you this morning. I'd like to start with a reading from Whispers from Eternity by Paramhansa Yogananda. Number 114. 
O Divine Father, Thou art just behind my prayer. Why dost Thou seem so far away? Thou dost tremble in my feelings. Thy presence glimmers through the veil of my thoughts. Yet dost Thou seem so far away. Father, come, remove Thy veil. Come, Father, come. Hear the voice of my prayer. I want to know thee, to talk to thee, to hear thee speak to me. I want to pray to thee and know that thou dost hear my prayer. Show me the way that leads to thee. As I was going through whispers and choosing a reading for today, this one really stood out for me because I think it's something we've all gone through in our lives. At some time or another, we've had this prayer. When we know that we can't do it on our own, everything we've tried doesn't work, where is God? Where is the answer? Where is truth? And this prayer just really spoke to me this morning. I was thinking about when I first came to Ananda. Some of you have heard this story before. But I was, both Fadura and I were on another spiritual path. And yet, somehow, Ananda was calling to us. And so we came up here and Then when we decided to, the decision had to be made whether to move here or not, I had to get really clear on my loyalties or what I thought were my loyalties. And so I was talking to a young man that was here at the time and he said to me, no, no, it's not about loyalty at this point. You're searching for your right path and all the great masters work together to bring you to where you need to be now. Such a beautiful heaviness was lifted because it felt right to me and not just as an excuse, but I really felt the truth in that statement. When Vidura and I were in the position of working with membership here, there were times when you just, uh, people were leaving And the thought came up throughout the community. Uh, People would judge them in a certain way. Well, why would they leave? Or what did they do? Or what did we do? And Vidura and I realized that at that point that Ananda really, probably for a lot of reasons, but three main um, uh, pillars, if you might say, reasons for Ananda to be here. One was to be a place where people could come maybe for a day, maybe for a month, maybe for as a guest, enjoy the peace, get inspiration and take that back home with them. A very important vehicle that Ananda is. The next one is a place where people come. They might think they want to pursue membership. They might be here for months. They might be here for years. They might be here for 30 or 40 years. And then they have this inner calling to go somewhere else. 
It might be delusion. It might be real. We have no idea what that is, but we send them on with love. And the third, of course, is those for most of us here, that Ananda is our home. It's where we grow, we learn, we get our edges rubbed very smooth, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully. And we are here for the duration. And every one of those is just fine. I was thinking about a, a story that I really like from the Ramayana, and it's the story of Vibhishana. And those of you who don't know the story, it's an it's a actual love story of Ram and Sita in India. And they were the king and queen of Ayodhya. And then this evil demon, Ravana, came and stole Sita away to Sri Lanka. And so the story is, how do we get Sita back? And so the monkeys and the bears get involved, and Jabavan is the head of the bears, and Hanuman's the head of the monkeys, and Lakshman is there, Rama's brother, and they're all trying to figure out how to get to Sri Lanka to get Sita back home where she belonged. And it's a fabulous story. So Ravana had two brothers, Kumbhakarna and Vibhishana. And uh, not to get too much involved in this, but they sort of represent the three gunas, the three aspects of God. So you have Kumbhakarna, who represents Tamaguna. And as I was saying before, the couch potato. But Kumbhakarna was a very large couch potato. He was enormous, and he slept most of the time. And it took a lot to wake him up. When he did wake up, he had a lot of energy, but it took him a lot. took people a lot to get him awake. Ravana was like Rajas. He was energy manifest. And energy can go either way, can it? It can go down, spiral down, or it can go aspire up. Well, Ravana was the spiraling down kind of Raja. And he only thought of himself. He was Ego, he was amazing ego, and he took Sita for his own, and no one was going to tell him that he had to give her back. Nobody. The council, everyone that he listened to, no, they weren't, he wasn't going to give her up. Well, Vibhishana represents the spiritual quality, Sattvaguna, and Vibhishana tried very hard to convince his brother to let Sita go. Why? Well, one thing, it was right. It was dharmic. She belonged to somebody else. She wasn't his to have. And two, if he didn't let go of Sita, the armies were going to come and the whole kingdom was going to be destroyed. But the desire was too strong. He could not let her go. So Vibhishana very courageously, because he, this was his family, this was his home, this is where he grew up, and he loved his brothers, but courageously left Ravana and went over to find Rama, because he knew Rama was on the side of righteousness. But as he came over, and he talked to all the monkeys and the bears and the people that were there to go to get Sita, They didn't want him to see Rama. They were too afraid he might be an imposter. And how do they know? They were going to protect Rama. But one of them went to Rama and said, we can't let you see him. He said, absolutely, you must let him come. 
because he is seeking me. He is seeking truth and you must let him come because anyone who turns their back on darkness and follows the light is one of mine. And so Vibhushana comes to Rama and together they fight. And, and you'll have to read the story to know what happens. <laughs> but this idea that we can't really do anything wrong. In the way of karma, yes. In the way of karma, we can do bad things. We can do not so nice things. We can not think of others. We can only think of ourselves. There's a lot of things we can do that aren't heading towards the light. But nothing we can do will ever turn God away from us. Nothing. I was thinking about that in terms of the world today. ISIS, terrorism, uh, destruction, horror, the things that are happening in the world. Actually, I was thinking this morning, you know, we say we're in the Dwapara Yuga, the age of energy, which in our world of time being linear is correct. But I really think we're in all the ages at once. We are in Kali Yuga. If you go over to Iraq, you are in Kali Yuga right now. If you... Uh, think of Hitler, if you think of the blacks and the whites and the Native American Indians and Tibet and China and Hitler, it doesn't matter. You are in Kali Yuga. Then we have Dwapara Yuga. So we've got people living in every age. We have people living there. People's consciousness is there. We have people living in the age of energy and wanting change. We have people living in the age of Treta Yuga and Satya Yuga, the age of the golden age where everything is good. We are also living there because everyone with that kind of consciousness is already living there. It's a beautiful thought. But what about these people? that are living in such darkness. It's just like Rama, even Ravana, who did exactly what these horrible people are doing today. I don't think there's any, I mean, he would eat them. I don't think that's happening so much, at least not in all the world. But he really did all these horrible things. And what happens at the end? He goes to God because he thinks about Rama all the time. He wants to kill him, but he goes there and at the end he touches him and he's immediately with him. So never for a minute think that anyone is not going to get to God that wants to get there. And even if they don't want to get there, they're going to get there because they're going to change their mind at some point along the way. And they're going to get there because master says everyone will find God. There is no one right path. For everyone. Swamiji, in Rays of the Same Light, which was the previous book to the one that Anandi read from, he talks this much. It's amazing how many pages he has on this topic. Swamiji was very keen on this topic, um, maybe because of what happened to him in his life, very keen on not becoming dogmatic. And he explains. Dogma is fine. Dogma is just the teachings. Dogma is there to help you understand certain things. It turns into dogmatism when you start thinking you're right. 
And it's not the religions that create the terrorism. It's not the religions that create the terror and the horror and all that goes on. It's the, even more than dogmatism, it's the bigotry. So you have the dogma, you have the dogmatism that I am right and nobody else can be possibly right. Then it goes to bigotry and terrorism when you go out and do something about it, which basically is killing everybody that doesn't agree with you. So you have this very, very important step in between. You, we do not want to become a little box and have be in that little box. Because why? Why? A great saint said it was a blessing to be born in religion, but a curse to die in one. What did he mean by that? It's a blessing to be born in a religion. You get all these wonderful thoughts of love and joy. Hopefully it's that kind of religion. But if you stay in that and you don't expand your understanding and you, uh, I live in this little box, where are you? Nowhere. Then you have to protect that box. And anyone who's trying to tell you something else, you have to get rid of, you have to fight. You have to know, I just want to do what I see as right in front of me. But it's, you know what? It's not just religion. It's not just religious bigotry and religious dogmatism. Every single day we have to make that choice. Every single day we're trying to decide, am I going to the light or am I going to the darkness? Am I making a decision which is entrapping me or expanding me? So every single day we decide how close we want to get to God and we do make those decisions and some of them are going to take us away for a while but in the end God is watching over us and he will bring us back it's like the purification when we open our hearts then God oh now I can really do something like Dr. Lewis and Master now I can take charge of your life because you've given me that okay to do that I was reading a a very sweet book uh, on vacation about the Amish. And I really don't know too much about it, so I don't want to step on anybody's toes here. But the book, the story, is of the Amish people, and they're very, very strict about their religion. They wear certain clothes, they do certain things, they do not have music, they whatever it is. And it creates this certain religious uh, sect, if you will, And it's probably extremely good for some people that need that because we all are different. But the story was, of course, about the girl that's feeling to go out and she likes color and she likes music and she likes, you know, electricity and... (laughs) And she wants to find out. And so she, too, has the courage of her own convictions. This is what Swamiji is saying. Have the courage. Go on alone. Dare to be different. Don't live in a box. Do what's right for you. And nobody can tell you what's right for you. How do you know what's right for you? Because you feel it. You feel it. At some point, it's right. And every little part of whatever religion, let's say it's Ananda, every little part of it might not be right for you, but the overall The overall, am I growing 
or am I diminishing? Am I wanting to be closer to God or am I turning away from God? What is it for you? And Swami makes this very, very clear. One of the uh, Naya Swami points is that I am complete in myself. I've been using that lately um, out of necessity. And, <laughs> and it's very, very beautiful. If you take that, every one of us, I am complete in myself. Just imagine how our lives would be different if we were complete in ourselves. People couldn't hurt us. People couldn't, you know, opinions. What do opinions matter? I'm complete. I am strong in myself. It reminded me of that, of that saint who... Uh, he was going to go out for a walk and his disciple says, no, 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 Swamiji, don't go out. There's kids out there and they're playing. No, 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 I'm going to go. And out he goes and the kids are throwing stones and there he comes back all bloody and, and he's got this big smile on his face and they say, Master, what happened to you? Oh, we had such a wonderful time. The children were throwing stones and life is just so beautiful. That's where we want to get so complete in ourselves nothing outside touches us what is our path we need to find that we need to be there and and love it and you know in this thought of the Amish and all the other Christian sects I was thinking about that with with the Bible if you read the Bible and probably all of us have read at least parts of it um, it's very hard to understand because Jesus seems to contradict himself all the time. But then you read second coming or you read revelations of Christ or you read masters uh, uh, writings on it or Swamiji's. You read that and went, oh, that's what it means. How do you ever figure out the Bible without a guru? I don't know. I remember as a teenager, I would, well, I was always a little feisty. But I, I remember, (laughs) thank you. I remember (laughs) arguing with my Sunday school teacher because he was trying to convince me there was hell and I wasn't going for it. And, (laughs) and now I understand more what that means right now. We can create our own hell right now. We create our own heaven, whatever it is, but I needed to know more than he was teaching me and he didn't know he didn't know he felt like because Jesus was creative that that's really what he meant about being like Jesus we needed to be creative these are the things I remember so I'm sure there's many more things but we need to find the truth underlying all those things in the Bible in the great scriptures in the Bhagavad Gita and know them for ourselves and then find what is ours I, uh, I'm going to end with a, (laughs) I want to end with a story. And this is one I really love. And I don't know if we've done it here in service or not, but I'm going to do it anyway, regardless. I'm following my own truth here. (laughs) And it's the story about the pit. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a wonderful story. And it probably never happened. But you can imagine it. So if you want to close your eyes, imagine this man and he's fallen into a pit. 
A subjective person comes along and says, I feel for you down there. An objective person walks by and says, it's logical that someone would be in that pit. A Pharisee comes and says, only bad people fall into pits. A mathematician calculated how he fell into the pit. A news reporter wanted the exclusive story on the pit. An IRS agent asked if he was paying taxes on the pit. A self-pity is my favorite. A self-pitying person said, you haven't seen anything till you've seen my pit. <laughs> A fire and brimstone preacher said, you deserve your pit. A Christian scientist observed the pit is just in your mind. A psychological, a psychological, what is that word? Psychologist. A psychologist noted, your mother and father are to blame for you being in that pit. (laughs) A self-esteem therapist said, believe in yourself and you can get out of that pit. An optimist said, things could be worse. A pessimist exclaimed, things will get worse. (laughs) Jesus seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. This brings us back to the beginning of the reading. And really all that really matters is love. All that really matters that you feel that, that in your prayers you feel Master, Jesus, whoever it is, Krishna coming to you. And knowing that he's going to lift you out of that pit. How many times we've been in that pit is unbelievable. From the little tiny things to the big things. But he'll always reach down and lift us out of that pit. And we too need to do that for each other. No blame, no judgment, no holding each other. The world wants to hold you in what you've done wrong, in your negativity, in your failings. But God never hold you there. He's always there to pull us out and help us to become all that we can be. God bless you.